gospel reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke in the first chapter. I will begin with the 26th verse. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much, much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of a greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned home. May God add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and our understanding of God's holy word. Friends, would you pray with me? 
Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Friends, I don't care for zombie apocalypse or global pandemic genres. Do you? I don't love gore or gratuitous violence as entertainment. I don't care for jump scares at all. Especially after living through a pandemic, I think we all have an aversion to these ideas of a spread of an infection. But it must make for great entertainment because there are so many TV shows and movies that fit this genre. All right, really, fess up. Raise your hand if this is something you do like to watch. One. <laughs> Lots of people, not many in this room, really must love shows like and movies like Outbreak, Walking Dead, Contagion, and The Last of Us, and some hundred others. So I can't watch them, but I have seen enough trailers and talked to enough people who do watch them to know that they are all basically the same concept, the same idea. And I'm sure even if you haven't watched any of them either, you get the general plot. I am sure no one loves them enough that you were hoping to hear this as a theme for an Advent for sermon. Merry early Christmas, let's talk about plagues and the apocalypse and zombies. Not what you were expecting, I know. But if you will bear with me, I want to lift up this plot line today for one reason. This is the Sunday of love. We've lighted the Advent candle for love. And I think that this theme helps us to see how love could so terrify the powers and principalities of the world. I think it helps to explain how a band of poor, simple folk who began to follow Jesus on the way, which is what this early community referred to themselves as, people who followed the way, not an institutional church, but just a practice of loving one another. It helps us to understand how this early Jesus movement and his followers long before they were called Christians could possibly have been so terrifying to the powers of empire. The spread of a way of love was a plot of horror to them. How? Well, let's imagine for just a moment that you are empire. You are the emperor, or you are one of his many minions all throughout Your values are control and domination, profits over people, dehumanization, insatiable greed, gobbling up lands and swallowing up cultures, pitting all groups of people against one another so that you will maintain power. You are in first place and everyone else is last. Whenever you hear of unrest, you immediately respond with disproportionate violence. Revolts are immediately stamped out. This is what you do best. Then, in the words of the angel Gabriel to Mary, and in Mary's response delivered to Elizabeth, we hear about a new kind of uprising. In Mary's words, she pronounces, the mighty will be cast down from their thrones. 
She knows that the coming of the child she bears represents a threat to the powers of all tyrants. It reminds me of a line from one of my favorite hymns. When tyrants tremble sick with fear and hear their death knells ringing, since love is Lord of heaven and earth, how can I keep from singing? And I think that this is her response to the angel Gabriel's explanation that, yes, her child will take over the throne of his ancestor David, and of his kingdom there will be no end. For Jesus to take over a throne that is already occupied by the powers of empire, they, of course, will have to be cast down. This strikes fear into the heart of empire. But how could this unwed teenage girl living under oppression bear a child who could possibly be a terrifying threat to empire? He would grow, as we know, to become a non-violence-preaching, unarmed, wandering prophet, often saying he had no place to lay his head. He chose to live outside, to be poor, to have no army, no earthly powers. What could be terrifying about him? Why, from Empire's point of view, would he need to be silenced and stopped? He would say to Peter, enough, when the guards were leading him away toward his crucifixion. He said, live by the sword, die by the sword. He rejected all violence and all warfare and all earthly powers. But this is what made his movement so powerful. It was a movement that could not be defeated with violence. It had no army. It spread under the radar of those powers. It was simply love. But this love was infectious. It was contagious. It was communicable. It was unstoppable and transformative love for all people, all nations, for all of creation even, it was love that could topple the tyrants from their thrones, that could depose them of all of their power. It was not just that Jesus lived love and that he proclaimed love, but it was that the way he taught love could terrify empire because love has a life force all of its own, a power through the work of the Holy Spirit that caused it to spread Yes, like a pandemic, if you are afraid of that spread of love. It spreads like a wildfire that you cannot contain. It spreads like outbreak and like contagion. It was catching, and it still is. It is invisible to the naked eye most of the time, but you can still see how it pops up and how fast it spreads. Just one infected person crossing to a different shore could cause it to break out in new towns and new cities. And not only was it spreading and catching like an infection, but just like in these horrifying zombie movies, the infection of love finds a host in your heart and in your brain. It transforms and changes your thought patterns and your actions. It seeps into every part of you so that you are no longer the you that you were before. The Apostle Paul tells people that they will have a new life and a mind of Christ. Their own brain, their own thinking is transformed by what looks to empire like an infection 
that has taken over their thought patterns. And most terrifying of all to empire is that anyone could be infected simply by coming into contact with someone else who was also invisibly a host for this new infectious disease. What is terrifying to empire is the idea that Jesus' love is now dispersed everywhere through the Holy Spirit, untouchable and intangible and reproducing at lightning speed. One emperor found that his own mother converted right under his nose. The ranks of soldiers all lined up and ready to fight, they could become infected by a way of love as well. The Roman centurion at the crucifixion was changed, saying, truly this man was the son of God, and the gospel writers record this happening, encoding this threat to empire. Look, even in this moment at the foot of the cross, one of your own soldiers becomes infected with this way of love and sees and knows the truth. So this is what is so terrifying, a divine power of which Mary speaks, that prisoners will be freed, the powerless will be lifted up and given great power, the lowly, the humble, they take the place of empire and they spread a way of love. And there was nothing empire could do. What empire loved to do first was to knock down the temples. They would take over a place and to cause such deep spiritual anguish and hurt to the people, to demoralize them, they would flatten their most sacred places. But what happens as love spreads, as brains and minds are transformed and hearts are transformed, hearts in the Jesus movement become the site of the temple. You cannot topple a temple that exists dwelling in the heart of every single person and that continues to pop up in the hearts of new people as this spreads. They have no power over these temples. Empire, of course, continues to try to inoculate people against this. A shot of greed in the arm, a desire to look down on another person. And yet we fight it. We reject the power of empire and practice, the law of love, the reign of love, promising to continue to topple tyrants from their thrones, which is an ongoing work that can be taken up in any place and at any time. And in doing so, we become citizens of that kingdom which cannot be fought, citizens of that kingdom of which there will be no end. And Jesus will always and forever reign over that kingdom his outbreak of love may always pop up anywhere and continue to spread, taking root again in community after community. Whenever one person is willing to be a host for love, it will begin to multiply again. The best example I have seen of this kind of love recently comes from a story that was recorded and shared online there was a young boy named Christian, about 13 years old, and in his small village in Romania, there had been construction going on and a pipe had been set deep into the ground. It dropped some 50 feet down, straight down into the ground. 
and a toddler, two or three years old, walked over the hole and plummeted all the way down. And everyone in his village came pouring out to try to save the child, and they tried for hours and hours and hours, lowering down ropes, but the child was too small and too weak then and too frightened to hang on to the rope, and they kept failing. And no adult was narrow enough to fit down the pipe and go in after this child. So this boy, Christian, just 13 years old and very slender, stepped forward and agreed to be the one. And his parents kissing him goodbye, but letting him be the brave hero, let him be tied by his feet and in a harness and lowered down into the pipe so that hands first he could grab this little toddler. And the whole community is around this scene, watching and waiting with bated breath. And when he has a grip of that child, he pulls on the rope and the Adults lift and lift and lift, and you can see the rope coming up out of the hole, and first Christian's feet, and then his torso and his hands, and on the other end of his hands, this precious little boy comes bursting out of the pipe. And they are embraced by the whole community with love and kisses like I have never seen. The law of love asks us to live in this way that we would be willing to risk our own safety and security, that we would even be willing to be terrified, to do what is needed to save one another. And you know that you would do what was in your power to save one little child. But the law of love as it changes and spreads and becomes a kingdom asks that we would also think about thousands and thousands of people who also need help and not turn away from them. When it's thousands of people, we have a harder time wrapping our minds around how economies and systems need to be changed to share that law of love. But the law of love asks us to continue to be people committed to caring for each and every one of the lowly, as though we are brave enough to risk everything to save them. When we do that, the ways of hatred are always toppled from their thrones. And new temples will always continue to spring up in new hearts. Friends, can we be infected with this kind of love that risks self? Can our hearts and minds be consumed and changed as they become a host to the presence of Christ? And will our love, as we move about our communities and go about our daily lives, may love catch from us to the next person and the next, until the world around us is continually changed into the kingdom of God, of that kingdom, there will be no end. Thanks be to God.